You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order today. Folks on Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame Athletics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We will be covering Notre Dame ending their losing streak, beating Boston College, finally getting back on their feet, a 80-70 to 70 win. We're going to talk about that game, fill you in on what happened, why they were so successful, what this means going forward. We're also going to project the running back depth chart for the spring, during spring ball, and then we'll wrap the show up with a coach leaving for USC of all places. Not a big deal, but still it's USC, so we got to talk about it. Before we get into that, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper, joined by Ryan Roberts, who is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So, guys, we've got finally some good news. We have some new good news. We, we have suffered through a sloppy streak of Notre Dame stumbling over the past few weeks, failing to finish games, and they're handed an opportunity to play a bad Boston College team, a team that was struggling just as much as Notre Dame was, and they handedly beat them. 80-70, to win over the Eagles, a team that is a rival, more so in football, but still a rival. This is a very satisfying win. This is a win that puts Notre Dame back on track. And just to keep things simple here, Ryan, I'm going to come out and say that they won this game because they actually were able to shoot well from three. That has been the identity of this team and why they've been successful and why they've been close against some of these really good programs. In the past few games, they've been shooting around or less than 30% from three. This game, 45 They had a fantastic performance, 45.2 from three, hitting 14 of them. That is why they won this basketball game, and that if they can maintain this and use this as a way to kill their cold shooting streak, I would argue that they're going to be in better shape for the remaining stretch of these games. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even like they shot this, you know, a low volume of shots and it was a high percentage. Like, they shot a lot of three-pointers. They made a ton. They made 14, like you said. I, I'm I'm really hopeful for the future, honestly, because we talk about the struggles that they've had. They have a little bit of a stretch. But we need to remember, besides Juwan Dorham, this is a junior and below type of, type of lineup here. And Juwan Dorham, shout-out to him, man, finally had his – probably his best game of the season, right? 12 points, 11 rebounds, had a double-double, two blocks, only turned the ball over once, had a very solid game, six of nine inside. Leshevsky continued to do Nate Leshevsky stuff, right? Seven out of ten from the floor, a very solid 16 points, but a high percentage. Prentice Hub made a couple threes. uh, Goodwin had a really nice game with 21 points to lead all scorers in this contest. So there was a lot of good things working in this game. Even Cormac Ryan made a couple threes off the bench. So I think they may have found their stretch here. I think Trey Wirtz starting, Cormac Ryan coming off the bench, I feel like that might be the best recipe for them to be successful. And I'm really and you know very happy about this because we mentioned they shot well from three. They shot well from the floor. 80 points is a nice, nice score in basketball. But they also didn't even shoot that well from free throw, so they left a few off 
you know, a few off the board there where you're talking about instead of a 10-point win, hey, maybe it's a 15-, 16-point victory. They thoroughly defeated this Boston College team and really mm-hmm. played probably their most complete, one of the most complete games of the season. And when you start to look at it, not only for the rest of this year, you start to get in a good rhythm. Leshevsky should be back next year. Goodwin, Hub, uh, D- uh, Dorham's gone, but you have Wirtz coming back. Cormac Ryan, like this is a young basketball team that w- at this point in this tough stretch – you really need to set yourself up not only for a late season run for what for next season can bring because there are some pieces here. And the more and more I watch this team, the more I am just so impressed by Nate Lashevsky. He's the best player on the team. And going into the year, we thought it was probably going to be Prentice Hub early on. But Nate Lashevsky has really taken that mantle as the best player, shooting a high percentage, scoring a bunch, leading this team over 17 points a game. Very sound victory. And a lot to look forward to here, not only to the end of the season, but also moving forward. And you talk about playing a complete game, and that's the key thing here. It's something that we haven't seen over this losing streak stretch. They finally put it together. And, you know, this is not the worst team they've played this year. This is better than the teams that they've beaten, the uh, the Beller Mines and the Detroit Mercies. But this, is, I think, was a well-timed game. They're at home playing a struggling Boston College team that's doing just as badly as they are in ACC play. And it provides them with an opportunity to get out from the depths of hell that is the bottom of the ACC. And they're now have one win. That's all you need is is one win to ignite the momentum. And this team is not going to turn into um, winning every single game and finishing like 22 and eight. That's just not going to happen. But, you know, you could finish... If you stay consistent, like 16 and 16, I, I'm, that number is completely just thrown out there because any amount of games could be played by the end of this year. But I think that's fairly realistic. But overall, what you see from this game is that every time BC was in a position and they hit a good shot and it, it seemed like that they were going to cut the lead and, and keep things close, Notre Dame countered not only with a good shot and a good look, but they countered with three point shots. They were just continuously banging these shots. And like we went back and, and rewatched the highlights to familiarize ourselves uh, yet again. And when, when we, you and I were sitting here watching it, I made a comment. I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're hitting like every three in this highlight. <laughs> it's just, just like when I was looking back on it, I'm like, I didn't realize how crazy it was, how many threes that they were hitting. They just continuously kept hitting them. You can't, you can't lose if you hit 14 threes in a game at on 30 shot shot attempts. That's a fantastic game, and that's that needs to be the goal. They need better looks, and they need to keep hitting them consistently. I, I don't want to overcomplicate things. It's been the same thing we've said all year. When they shoot well, they win. When they don't shoot well, they're going to lose. Yeah, I mean, it's how they're built, right? They're a very outside-oriented team who has some shooters, but you need to kind of consistently put it together and each have a – solid outing you know I feel like most losses even the close ones it's just been like hey two out of four of their best scores were on but then two were were ice cold it wasn't just like they had off games so it's just about having that consistent all-around effort and it, it makes you feel good because although Boston College is not a great basketball team in order to be a good team you need to beat the teams that you should beat all the time and Boston College is one of those teams for Notre Dame that you have to beat and again the future of this team with Leshevsky, with Hub, with Goodwin, with these guys combining with Elijah Taylor when he gets back from his injury and then the continued recruiting that Mike Bray does, I think there's some things to be excited about for what Notre Dame men's basketball can bring here uh, moving forward. 
Well, folks, we are going to get on with talking about the running back depth chart, projecting some things. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about Bet Online. The NFL playoffs are hot right now. We are approaching the conference championship games. Before we know it, it is going to be the Super Bowl. And you know what you need to be doing right now? Put some money down and bet. If you think that there is going to be a crazy game during the championship round, go put some money down. If you have a bold prediction that you think is going to happen or you've had bold predictions in the past, stop sitting on the sideline and go bet. There's only one place that you, that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Again, put money down. You think the Bills are going to upset the Chiefs? Go for it. Put some money down. Make yourself some money. Put $10. Keep it simple. Don't need to mortgage your house. Just do that. couple bucks. Earn yourself some beer money. Don't sit on those sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on college basketball doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ryan, let's uh, shift our focus here a little bit. Let's uh, take our our attention away from basketball, away from the news. We're going to wrap with a news hit and talk about projecting like we did with the quarterback group. So if you missed that show, we talked about where we think things will line up for the quarterbacks during spring ball and by the end of spring ball. This is not a projection for the start of next year, but rather our projection right now, what we think will happen after this spring season and after everything is wrapped up. So Ryan, let's beat around the bush let's talk about these or or not beat around the bush let's let's get around the uh um you know cut out all the nonsense here Mm -hmm. let's get to the first two important guys kyron williams chris tyree that is clearly the top two and there's really limited there's limited circumstances in which that i believe would change oh no i mean you're absolutely right we're going to talk about a lot of these previews for positions and we're going to talk about camp battles potentially we're going to talk about who might be in who might be out for this, this is probably the most open and shut case of any position on the roster. Kyron Williams is the guy. I mean, we saw it all year going into the playoff run. Kyron Williams is the best offensive playmaker probably on the roster, him or Michael Mayer, and they're both really young, so we're in a good situation there. Kyron Williams is that do-it-all threat. He's a great pass blocker, although PFF disagrees with that. But he is the best all-around weapon that they have, especially in the, in, the, uh, in the running back room. Chris Tyree brings a different element to a degree. They're both kind of similar size backs, but Chris Tyree brings legit 4-3 speed. He's the game-breaker. He's the guy that next year I'm hoping that Notre Dame really kind of asserts maybe some two running back sets and gets them both involved. Maybe, hey, Chris Tyree's lineup as a slot receiver, get some jet sweeps. Like I, I hope that we see a lot more of them in action together next year. The third back, I think it's going to kind of be what we saw this year. When the, both those guys weren't in, getting a dependable back, Sebo Flemingster, in theory, until we hear otherwise, is going to be back next year for his fifth year. Nothing special about him, nothing flashy about him, but he's also a dependable player who you know is going to have good ball security. He's going to run very physical. He has good contact balance. He's not an easy guy to take down. He just gives you consistent 
production, and dependable moments. So he's that guy that you can really just nothing nothing about him is going to stand out, but you know that he's going to be there day in and day out to give you solid production. And then the fourth spot, we're going to go four deep because you know injuries can always happen, and you have to have depth at the position, especially at running back who is touching the ball more than any player outside of the center and quarterback on your football team. And, you know, injuries do happen. Durability is, is always a concern for that position. That's why when we look to the NFL, they have the shortest shelf life of any position because they are taking a constant pounding running the football. So outside of those top three, I think the question is which freshman running back is going to be able to carry that mantle. So we know Audric Estime, who is the young running back out of New Jersey, who is listed at about six foot, two hundred fifteen pounds, very physically well put together runner, who had an outstanding senior year here in New Jersey, uh, where I, where myself and Joe are both located, actually. And the other question mark is Logan Diggs. There's been some questions on whether he's going to eventually land at Notre Dame. Uh, we'll see what happens. To my understanding, he's still very in line to end up with the Irish. So that four spots really going to be. The battle between two freshmen. And I think no matter who wins that, I'm going to give the nod to Audric Estime just because he is already in the class officially. Whoever wins that, um, whoever wins that, I think is going to be in kind of the same boat. They might get some late, late game touches for, uh, from time to time, but they're not going to be heavily involved in the offense. They're, they're still going to be have that option of, of playing in four games, getting that red shirt. So no matter who wins that, it doesn't really matter. I think the trajectory is still the same for both these running backs. This first year on campus in the 2021 season, I think is going to be your ipso facto red shirt season for both. Uh, and I think the general way to highlight this group is unlike other groups that we're going to actually have to, to really project. I mean, there's not going to, there's not really much movement here. This isn't a group that has a lot of moving pieces Guys leaving. Kyron's coming back after having an all-ACC type season. He played fantastically. He was dominant. He's probably going to get drafted next year, and he's probably going to declare because most underclassmen running backs that do well enough usually take advantage of that opportunity. And if he chooses to declare after that year, um, you, you know, like what, the, the better question is where do things line up after that? But right. as of right now, Chris Tyree, super talented, probably going to be that two guy. And then I think it's interesting, though, the one guy that we can project is that four spot is does Audric Estime actually step in, maybe not get touches, but be in a position where he's fourth on the depth chart to eventually maybe get some touches if if Sebo has to come out. But but for the most part, this group is pretty locked in. There's not much that's going to change here. I think I think the one interesting layer potentially is I, I think Sebo is definitely the favorite to win three, right? But when we're looking at those top three, we're talking Kyron Williams right around 200 to 203 pounds, somewhere in there. Um, uh, Kyron Williams, I mean, I, I may have said Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree, on the other hand, is about 190, 195, so he's not a huge back. Sebo Flemingster, although he runs very hard, is south of 200 pounds as well. I think he's listed at like 197 or so. So we really do lack a bigger, more physical back, and Estime brings that more than anybody that we have on the roster at 215-plus pounds. So the question that I have going down the stretch is, hey, in those in those late-game situations, like you can depend on Kyron Williams, although he's had a, a little bit of a fumbling issue, you can depend on maybe a Sebo Flemingster. But if you really ha- are in a situation where, like, hey, you need to grind out some yards and you need to have a big, bigger, more physical running back, maybe Audric Estime pushes to be that third back who can give you some late-game touches because he's so physical and can just grind out some first downs. It might be in that type of situation. So I think the only uncertainty with me is, one, does Sebo Flemister come back? Because 
it's going to be a crowded room. Does he take a grad transfer opportunity? Potentially, we'll see. But I think that it is worth keeping an eye on is, you know, this year we saw Sebo at some points, at some games, be that late game kind of grinder, although he's undersized. Does a more talented, bigger back like Aldrich Estime threaten that role in any way? In a few minutes, we're going to wrap up today's show by talking about a strength coach deciding to leave for Vol Schools USC and why that matters. Before we get to that, let's talk about Built Bar Ryan. What do you got for us? Easily, by the way, I, I have to tell you, Ryan, I had the banana bread one. I had limited expectations. I was like thinking to myself, like, okay, this one's a little bit, a little bit of a weird flavor. I mean, you're used to when you get these protein bars, it's it's like chocolate or cookies and cream. And I'm like, all right, let's try the banana bread one. And I think the the banana bread one might be the most underrated one out of the mix. You think so? Oh, man. Yes. It's, have you had it? I have not. So I will say this. You you need to try it. It is fantastic. I'll say this. Joe. So Joe got his box like a day or so before me. And I had had Bilt Bar before, but there are some newer flavors. There's ones that I haven't had, like banana bread, for instance. I know there is one in there that I have not tried yet. So how Built Bar works, actually the best protein bar on the on the market. There's no comparison here. They have 18 amazing flavors altogether, but the six new flavors for me was where I had my eyes because I hadn't tried them before. I will say caramel brownie, A+. Plus. Excellent. Lemon almond cheesecake, which was one of those that like Joe was just kind of explaining about banana bread. That maybe I didn't have the biggest expectations, but lemon almond cheesecake was delicious. Carrot cake, I'm a big carrot cake guy. Carrot cake was also very good. And then I just had Alpha Almond Crisp earlier today, and that one also exceeded my expectations. There's also Cherry Barcia and Cookies and Cream in those six new flavors. Of course, there's the 12 original flavors as well. I'm talking about coconut almonds, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, which Joe just mentioned that I have not tried yet, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, Toffee almond, coconut, and the best protein bar that I've ever had still to this day, peanut butter brownie. I got my box last week, and my case is almost gone already. All the bars <laughs> are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is also great for the health-conscious guy on the go, which is great right after New Year's when you've kind of set some goals. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in one of these delicious treats. All the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber, and they're also great for the keto diet. Some of those flavors I talked about before. Peanut butter is another great one. All, has a total of 19 grams of protein in a single bar. Only 180 calories. Only 5 grams of sugar. Only 5 grams of net carbs. Other bars like coconut almond, cherry barcia, cookies and cream, and so many others. Each have over 17 grams of protein, but are all equally as nutritious and good for you as they are delicious. And to top it all off, Bill Bar has now reset the promo code for this relaunch. So now you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So make sure to take advantage of that today. You can go to BillBar.com, use promo code Locked On. That's all capital, Locked On, no spaces, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code Locked On, all caps, for 20% off at BillBar.com. <laughs> Wrapping up today's show, we have an interesting headline here. And this one is probably something that we typically would not talk about because of the position this person is in. But because of where they're going, we have to discuss it. So Notre Dame assistant strength coach Robert Steiner is leaving for, of all places, 
USC, Southern California, not South Carolina, Southern California. And again, typically your assistant strength coach leaves. It's not something where you have to be like, oh, you know, that, that's a big deal. It's not like losing a defensive coordinator or even a defensive backs coach like we talked about already this offseason. But losing him to USC uh, stings a little bit. It's a little bit like, really, why would you go there after all the time that you spent at, at, at Notre Dame? But it is worth noting that, that Steiner is a very good strength coach. Notre Dame has one of the best strength programs out of any, any f- football team in the country. They have one of the best. I would argue if I were to rank them, Many people consider it to be a top five, at least top 10 program because of their facilities and because of their head strength coach, Matt Bylas, who's been there for a very long time. He's been there for a, a good stretch so far and has produced fantastic results for a lot of these athletes. And we've talked about that before, how guys come in and they transform their bodies. But now we're losing Steiner, who now heads to USC. And you know what? This just puts a puts an even bigger bullseye on that game for me is that for their, them to go out of their way to take a guy from Notre Dame and for him to apply to this job at USC makes me want to win that game even more <laughs> I mean if, if we didn't need any more ammunition to dislike USC right. this just kind of adds fuel to the fire I will say and this is no exaggeration when Notre Dame was a little down a few years ago Matt Bylas specifically, when he took over and he really took ownership of this weight program at Notre Dame and, and the, uh, the, the, um, the, the um, progress that he has made with these players, bigger, faster, stronger, I think that's one of the most underrated aspects of Notre Dame that improved so much. Yes, the coaching was better. Yes, Brian Kelly had done some different things just from a structural, uh, you know, structural perspective of running a program. But Matt Bylas, he really did an excellent job, and you saw the immediate contributions and results from his work. So having a guy like Robert Steiner, it's it's going to sting a little bit because let's let's call it what it is. You're replacing some a part of something that has been very successful at Notre Dame. I will give it all credit to USC, though. Hey, uh, the the level of uptick and production that we saw as a strength and conditioning program for Notre Dame. I'm sure USC is going to get huge dividends now with Steiner uh, heading over to USC. So good for them. Good for Steiner too. I mean, he's he's been a assistant and now he kind of takes on a bigger role and at another huge program. So it's a shout out to them. But of course, there are going to be some there are going to be some changes and there are going to be you know it's it's going to take you a slight step back. It's not going to derail everything because Bylas is still here in the building and he's still in charge. But anytime you lose a talented individual and a talented um, a strength coach like this, like like uh, Robert Steiner, it is going to sting at least on the short term, you know. Yeah, it will have an impact because, again, there's probably guys that were well-connected with him and really liked working with him, and there's an obvious reason why he was capable of taking this bigger job. But, I mean, to simply put, wishing him the best, mm-hmm. you know, success, but I also hope that his players don't make as much progress as Notre Dame's <laughs> do. I hope that they are stunted uh, and that when they play Notre Dame that they're still physically inferior. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, I mean we, we wouldn't be Notre Dame supporters if we didn't wish the right. best. But then also, hey, on, on game day against Notre Dame, I hope it doesn't have, have uh, too much too much to do with the outcome of the game. Exactly. Well, folks, I think that's going to be a great note to, to wrap us up here on today's show. Uh, coming up on Tuesday, we will be hitting on and talking about the Howard game being canceled uh, later in the week on Friday, we will be doing a preview show 
for the Miami basketball game. That's the next basketball game for Notre Dame. So bit of a gap that we have for this upcoming week. Make sure you follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, and at Locked on Irish. Please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our shows. Don't miss out on, on anything. And please, please, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate the five-star rating. Uh, lastly, folks, if you're looking for something else to tune into, head on over to Locked on NFL to hear all the action that you may have missed from this past weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day.